When did you start doing clinics? Oh, many years. <laughs> I've I've always I've always loved teaching. Uh, but I started sharing ukulele, even teaching, like in junior high school. Were and you a guitar player as well? Most of my adult life, I played guitar. Yeah, enough on guitar. I thought so. I uh, thought I remember, but that. I don't. I, I don't know because it just you know I can't handle the, the 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 change in feel anymore. Right, going back and forth gets a yeah. little weird. <clears throat> yeah. When I pick up a guitar now, it's like it's nice, but then it does feel kind of yeah. big. <laughs> but actually, the uh, the best training I've had in terms of teaching came from the Air Force. Oh, were you in the band at the in the Air Force? No. Oh, here's a, was pilot. a pilot. <laughs> oh, that's right. An instructor. So. But what during your time there, you, or just the thirty years, uh, and uh, you know, in 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 my estimation, the the best thing I learned uh, from the Air Force about teaching is that um, is that y- y- you got to figure out how to do the most important things first because the teaching I did was flying you know taught people to fly interesting um, and so his, his uh, philosophy is pretty you know if you're, in, if you're in an airplane and especially if something is going wrong you, you got to do the most important thing first <laughs> right because if you don't if you don't a lot of people die, die because of that a lot of people have flown like a perfectly good airplane Right into the ground because they got distracted and were doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Interesting. So yeah, it really is. When you're traveling around now and like with the ukulele community, is there some kind of cumulative issues that you see that people aren't addressing, or they're addressing something from the standpoint of ukulele? Right. Oh yeah. That's why his clinics are so shit. So, I'll talk. So I, great. I can talk. I can talk for two days. No, nope, he that. can talk for six. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> he's lying. Well, talk for time. six. <laughs> it's like holy shit. We're just shit. hanging out. He's he 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 is the only guy I've ever seen teach. <clears throat> what was it? Seven, eight hours a day for five days straight. Five nights and six days. <sighs> Man. I was exhausted watching him teach for that long. And he, after that, we went, and then I did a two-hour clinic. <laughs> you did like five days. I did two hours. Where was this? Uh, we went, uh, was it Cortez Island, and we went down to Seattle. No, we were in Renton. Renton. Yeah. Is that when he did Chantel's thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was hot out there, man. That day was hot. Yeah. And all those damn llamas. What are you guys' plans going forward in terms of clinics and, and traveling? Do you are, are you guys gonna keep traveling together and doing that? Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Generally, my objective is is education, and I found I found that doing this kind of thing works. And so, what I've what I what I've doing in my last, oh, I don't know, eight or nine years, is always think of, of some different way that I can share ukulele. And I'll, 
We'll talk about some of those tonight because you get some real doozers coming up. It's really fun, <laughs> different, 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 different way to look at things. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming down. Oh, God. Glad to do it. Okay, I'm full. So, what? Uh, go home now? <laughs> <clears throat> check one, check one. There's a lot of fish over there, too, if you guys want to refill at any point. I know. I know. You think we could go headphone free? Yeah. I think so. Totally. We're so. right here and there's nobody else. Why not? But yeah. can, are we sounding okay, though? You think? Good. What's the purpose of the headphones? Just to make sure your proximity is close enough to the mic. You know? Yeah, so just as long as you're conscious of that, you won't. You're fine right there. Those mics are sensitive. Yeah. Oh, hell. But like this, I've got to kind oh, of be I'm aware. I'm a sensitive person. i got to be spatially <laughs> yeah, right. aware because sometimes I'll, I'll do this shit over here and I'm just yeah. like, oh, can you? Uh... <laughs> yeah, blow that thing, buddy. Aaron has an has a awesome voice when he gets close to the mic. Got that deep <laughs> rasp. I've got over 6,000 hours of wearing a headphone. Re- oh, yeah. From flying. Yeah. So... So Absolutely. Over, so, huh? I'm, <laughs> Nothing I'm, goes I'm, on those I'm golden ears ever. <laughs> so, welcome to the Ukulele Review. Aloha. We have a very exciting episode tonight with a special guest. Actually, two special guests. But, sorry, Aaron, most special is <laughs> Kimohashi. There you go. <laughs> and just as special is Aaron, <laughs> the legendary Kimohashi. My friend, my no, mentor. No, just Kimo. Just Kimo. <laughs> <laughs> you got you to gotta start doing that thing that, uh, what was that? <clears throat> Hi, my name is Kimo, and I'm your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like every Ukulele Review podcast we do, there's really no agenda here, but a good conversation. Great. And um, I guess we could start off with uh, the... UGH is about to go off, right? What's the yes? What's the status on that? Ukulele um, Guild of Hawaii. Yeah, the Ukulele Guild of Hawaii is having its annual ukulele exhibition uh, next weekend, actually, um, and it'll be at the Bishop Museum. Uh, that exhibition has been going on uh, annually um, at least twenty years. Uh, now and uh, <clears throat> uh, last year we had it at the Bishop Museum, uh, and so this year again it'll be at the Bishop Museum. <clears throat> and uh, just like previous years, we've got some wonderful, wonderful and talented builders uh, who are coming. Uh, the <clears throat> the Ukulele Guild, in terms of its mission, has a twofold mission. Uh, number one uh, is to share building techniques. Uh, with uh, with people interested in learning how to build an um, an instrument, the other activity, primary activity, is kanikapila, mm-hmm. and the reason why I say kanikapila as opposed to just playing uh, is we've we've adopted kanikapila as our uh, as one of our two main activities because kanikapila amongst players promotes participation as opposed to entertainment 
uh, you know, where, where, where some people sit sure. down and they listen to somebody uh, play at them, which is, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But <clears throat> generally, ukulele people around the world will sit very courteously and listen to somebody play at them. But after a while, after a while, they really love the idea of participating in the process of making music and playing themselves with friends. And so that's the reason why we emphasize um, Kane Kapila. Uh, anyway, the <coughs> the exhibition is going to be at the Bishop Museum. Uh, dates are, uh, I think, like the twenty second to the twenty fourth. We should we should clarify that when when you say Kani Kapila, that doesn't mean bring your own uke and jam with us, right? Or is it it oh, can absolutely. be. Okay. It okay. Can be. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because um, what we do uh, what we do at our uh, at our exhibition is a we show ukes and b we kanikapila. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the whole time, the whole time kanikapila is going on, uh, and so we do recommend that uh, people uh, you know bring their own ukes because that way they don't <laughs> they don't yep. try to borrow uh, you know the good ukes that are on display. Yeah. Okay. That sounds awesome. And. Just a side note: Bishop Museum is something to experience in and of itself. That's it really is. Yeah, we've we've developed a really wonderful, wonderful relationship with the Bishop Museum. Uh, once a month, we go there and Kani Kapila uh, for their guests. Uh, you know, on the on the Bishop Museum grounds there, and that's uh, that's been really wonderful. And so we've we've created quite a wonderful relationship with the Bishop Museum. We're doing the same, by the way, with. Uh, uh, with Iolani Palace, develop a relationship with them. And all we do nice. is go down to the palace once a month. Kanikapila. <laughs> oh, when is that? Uh, I think it's the first Sunday of every month. They have like Kama'ina Day or, 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 or something something to that effect. You do that too, Aaron? I haven't. I, I've been <clears throat> uh, lacking in my uh, participation <laughs> in UG, but... Um, yeah, Kimo, Kimo's been letting me know. He's gently urging me to come around more, and I've, I've been, uh, I've been <clears throat> trying to come around more. So. I'd love to <laughs> share one more thing about our exhibition. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Friday there is no exhibition. Uh, the entire day Friday is given to workshops that are actually put on by. Um, uh, local UG members and and some who come from, uh, you know, other countries. In terms of learning how, how techniques, techniques for build, building and luthery, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that would be awesome for anybody just trying trying to learn more about building. You know, somebody that's a builder trying to learn somebody else's techniques, and a lot of times just for enthusiasts that want to understand better what goes, you yes. know, right. How the sausage is made, or however. Exactly, exactly. A little bit of behind the scenes. <clears throat> um, Kimo and I have been talking a lot about the different types of ukuleles out there that people haven't seen before. There's so many. Well, you get all of the ukuleles, so you've pretty much played everything. But most people haven't. Most people haven't gone past what they have in their hands, and they don't realize that there are different types of build. There is a, you know, each ukulele. In, you can get the same ukulele built by the same guy out of the same, you know, piece of wood, yeah. and it can sound completely different. Right. And it's like, it's it's one of those things that 
every individual instrument has its own little solo and stuff like that. And when you come out to see the guild, uh, these guys are such like I, Joe Souza is one of the guys that are kind of like you guys are. <laughs> where he's such a woodhead. They all have this this thing like they can tell by the voice of this thing that it's this guy. It's, it's pretty amazing. But you gotta come check it out. That's in in the workshops I do because because teaching. Uh, teaching and sharing ukulele is um, probably my favorite activity uh, in ukulele, and <clears throat> I like I like I like to talk to people, ukulele players, about the difference between high G and low G, and tell them, and tell them that the choice is theirs. However, if they look at if they look at the difference between high G and low G strictly from a sound standpoint, then the question becomes, hey, are there other things about sound uh, that I, as an ukulele uh, player, can experience? And the answer is hell yes. Even before, even before uh, ukulele builders who make different ukes, for example, there's like a five-string uke. Uh-huh. And a six-string uke, and a seven, and, and, and an eight-string uke, and even among these multi-ukuleles, multi-string ukuleles, uh, wherever the the builder decides and how he decides to like double a course, makes a huge difference in sound. And so, from the standpoint of the player, the uh, the wonderful thing is, you never run out of options, different options to experience different sounds. Right. I've I, never I went, heard a high G uke that didn't sound, a, a great sounding high G that didn't sound good also low G. Yeah. I mean, mm. do, do you think like it's one or the other on like certain ukes? Um, I, <clears throat> to me, it's just, it's just a matter of preference uh, as opposed to, as opposed to there being some kind of objectivity uh, to how sure. you choose the only the only objective thing that I like about a low G instrument is that it increases range. And uh, you guys can go download Kimo Hussey's album Low G somewhere, right? Absolutely. And some of the things that he plays on that album are pretty insane. Like he is one of the few people that I know that does chord medley uh, chord melody, but he's playing in the lower register of a low G. And that's just kind of like not something. <laughs> you mean most, melodies on the yeah the low, melody yeah. on the on low, the low string, string. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and he'll play it on it. there. But because our ear hears the last note that's played as the lead, as opposed to the highest note, he's he's strumming up like this. And I, I've had this question from like hundreds of hundreds of people asking me about like what chemo does, and my my first instinct is to to say ask him, but then every time I tell somebody to go ask him. He turns around. And he goes, "Go take lessons from Aaron." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, ah. But you know, I mean, I then I I, I love the, that uh, circle. I love yeah. the I love the 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 giving back and stuff. That's really cool. But like he has this like phenomenal way of doing things. And when you when you have a low G instrument, that's like you said, I've never met a uke that was a great high G uke that you couldn't put a low G on was still a great uke. You know, it, it's 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 always. Um, gonna be great like a resonant yeah, uke will it's, be yeah it's good a resonant way, uke yeah. is a resonant uke but I think um, a lot of times when we do the high G thing we do want it to cut off the sustain a little bit <clears> quicker <throat> you know because it doesn't ring as much as the low G the low G kind of has that over that overtone from that low string 
and I really like that. It gives it sounds fuller, but with the high G on it, it's very staccato, and it gives you that real um, banjo-like quality to it. And if you ever wanted to, like, look at something along those lines, check out the guys that do that frailing banjo technique on it. Mm, sure. They they have that, that claw hammer and yes. all those yes. different exactly. styles. Exactly. The claw hammer. I feel like I cut diggity. you off earlier, Kimo. Sorry. Oh, I probably did. Um, I already forgot what we were talking about. It was that happens a lot here. Sure. You were talking about like you know how people are like high G or low G kind of thing and getting into that. <clears throat> yeah. It's a it's a matter of preference, uh, and and um, the thing about that from a standpoint of learning is. In my mind, if a person if a person prefers, let's just say, a low G uke, uh, like I do, uh, then it's a matter of figuring out how to how to play to the instrument, uh, because there's there's no such thing as the ultimate instrument. It's impossible. Right. So uh, so the degree to which we're able to play different instruments. <clears throat> And, and figure out what it is you like about that sound or you don't like. If you don't like the sound, don't, don't play it. Uh, but if you like it, say, okay, self, what do I like about this sound? And then, and then sort of kind of, kind of, kind of play to that sound. Take, take, what you, uh, take what you know how to play and, and play to the ukulele. Uh, because if, <clears throat> uh, if we share that, uh, that kind of, I'll, I'll just call it a technique, uh, with uh, with ukulele players, and what it does is it just opens up so many more horizons uh, for uh, you know for them to learn to play. One of my favorite techniques in workshops, because <clears throat> because of the travel which I love doing, I do workshops around the world, and there's certain places in the world where you know people just don't have access uh, to different ukes. But if you take a look, if you take a look at the ukes in any workshop, even even if like a majority of them are, uh, let's just say Chinese ukes, they're they're all very different. So one of my favorite techniques is to get everybody sitting in a circle, and we talk about uh, we talk about what makes a good uke a good uke, and then and then what I do is have people okay pass your uke to the right. Uh, and then they just listen. Okay, pass it into the right poof, and then go all the way. Keep doing it until the youth comes back. But in the course of doing it, people hear people hear a lot of different sounds that that they just never heard before. Mm, interesting. Uh, and, and 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 I've never ever done that without people being really really amazed. Yeah, it sounds fun. At the at the different sounds, uh, you know, that are available to them. I was there when he did that once, and um, we were we were up in Canada, and he he went and he he had the, everybody pass the uke around, and the thing that really really kind of sparked my interest in it was the way um, people remembered which one they liked, so they would go over and talk to that person after, <clears throat> and at the beginning of a clinic, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a clinic, especially like a, a, a ukulele retreat where it's a couple of days, everybody's very. <laughs> you know, standoffish. They kind of like they're very. Um, at the beginning, yeah, they're, a they're very stiff. reserved. They're a little stiff, but after that, they like that uke. They'll go talk to that person. They make friends, mm-hmm. and then now all of a sudden, the whole room is going. People are writing down names of uh, brands of ukuleles that they like, and it's just opening up so many more options for mm-hmm. 
for people like that. So. I mean, the ukulele community is pr pretty much a good bunch, you know. Oh yeah, totally. they're great. Totally. They're great, great bunch. Like good some team. might be a little bit more introverted and need a little time, but overall, it's like yeah. You get them to a cutting cupula, you'll be surprised. It's one of the things that's always fascinated me about the ukulele community. They're just they're just so wonderful people. Absolutely. And well, which is like kind of the point of this this thing right here. I was I was actually at Kimo's house the other day, and I called Andrew up. I was like, "Hey, man, we gotta get Uncle Kimo on the podcast because I will go to his house. Well, we meet about once a month, maybe once every two weeks sometimes, but we get together." We go have breakfast, and we, we, talk we just talk story. This is what we do. And yeah. I, I wanted to have a way where, um, where people could see just how, like, like what we have in Hawaii and in the ukulele community in general, uh, <clears throat> treasure in Kimohasi. Oh, people know that already. It's got such a wealth of knowledge, but, like, they never get to see this part of it, where we sit down and we just talk story. And we, yeah, that's true. You know, no, just, so just talking it's, about stuff. It's, it's important just uh, just to talk story because, yeah. um, Walao. Um, walao, walao, yeah. Because more, more often than not, I think, by, by just sharing informally as we do uh, right now, the whole sharing of ukulele, in my estimation, uh, it takes, it takes a different turn. Well. And that is, <clears throat> that is the ukulele. Uh, is 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 not the end. The ukulele is a means to the end. The ukulele is a catalyst, and the degree to which we learn to um, play the ukulele uh, in a way that uh, maximizes the sound that we get out of the ukulele is uh, is the degree to which we can <clears throat> we can take whatever we learned with regard to that and apply that and apply that to anything else. Yeah, I go see him all the time. We talk story. Most of the time, it's like, like, cause I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm married, I'm relatively young for an ukulele player. Like, yeah, just hit forty, but um, for an ukulele player. Oh, that's player, real young. Cause it's these guys. All the coolest tell me I'm young, but um, the thing is that I I always come to Uncle Kimo for advice about all kinds of stuff, you know. And every time, <laughs> he always relates it back to the ukulele. Stress in your life, stress at your job, stress at what you're doing. Not enough time. You doing? You spread too thin. All this stuff goes back to the ukulele. Can you explain like some of the some of the things you tell me on stuff like that? Uh, sure, but if you give me an ukulele, I can I can uh, I can play through that better than I can explain it. And that's kind of what I was hoping for right there. All right, so <coughs> Kimo is known for playing a plethora of. Incredible. All of the ukuleles. <laughs> and you probably know of this guy, but I've hey. become a big fan of his lately. Um, you know what? I just I just got my first Petros about four days ago. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's oh, on the call. What incredible, incredible ukulele. I know. Aren't they so rich and warm sounding? Actually, Kimo was telling me that the Bruce Petros ukulele he got, when he, he handed it to me, he goes, have you ever heard a ukulele that sounded this broken in, brand new? I know, so and I was like, warm no, and broken not in right at all. It's crazy. Back. So good, so good. Okay, so uh, I believe the question was uh, life lessons on an ukulele. Yeah, what you can learn. I, I think, I think one of the wonderful, wonderful things about ukulele and music uh, is to learn about resolution. 
this resolution. You know, on on every every minute of every day, we're looking for resolution. Absolutely. For example, if uh, you know, if if you're hungry, uh, the resolution is to eat. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so here here come some thoughts about how we can address resolutions from the ukulele. When I play this chord, this chord, this chord. It wants it wants to go somewhere. And this chord, in discord. It, it wants to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so one of the things to learn about ukulele is and music is okay. If a chord sounds like it wants to go somewhere, how do you figure out where it wants to go? And there's some there's some basic rules uh, to that. But just just let me say that sound wise. Sound-wise, this chord wants to go there. Yeah. And when we go from here to here, what happens is we go, and it resolves. You know, these are like life lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get in on this metaphor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so the key is, hey, you know, if the, the, instruments, the instruments are not with you, but there's there's something that requires resolution. So uh-huh. is is there anything about learning to play the ukulele that we can apply to that? The answer is hell yes. Another example. And you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are Let me ask you a question. He does that in, in, in the clinic. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. And the question oh, is, how did you feel when I stopped? Uh, unresolved. That was preposterous, <laughs> sir. Unresolved. You Please play don't alone, take <laughs> my sunshine. Oh, man. Cliffhanger. Yeah. And, Keep and, leaving us there, huh? And yeah. so, and so there, there, there are two things. Number one, resolution and how. Uh, and how to resolve it. Number two, equally important, is sometimes, sometimes in like ukulele, and because of that in life, we just we just run right over a resolution without enjoying it. Oh. In ukulele, we're so accustomed oh, to the, to the right hand, right. to the right hand. You know, I had my headphones on, and I was like, oh yeah, this is nice, this is nice, and then you just dropped off, and I'm just like... <laughs> Why? Why but, would you do that? But if you exactly. kept going, it's not as if I would have sensed how needed that yeah. next. That's correct. Yeah, mm. that's correct. Hmm. Um, and so any, anyway, oh, that's you're getting uh, deep. Say again. <laughs> well, deep it's life uh, lessons. No, I love it. Uh, uh, the the way we got into this uh, discussion, <laughs> if I can remember, is there's <clears throat> the the ukulele. Is, is not the end. To learn to play the ukulele is not the end. It is a means to the end. Okay. And so if most ukulele players, no, I shouldn't say this. Let me just say that um, my impression of the average ukulele player uh, 
is they're not interested in being the world's best ukulele player. Okay. Uh, they're not interested necessarily in playing every day. Uh, they're just interested in playing whatever they feel like it. But just because they don't play every day does not mean that they cannot learn some really, really powerful lessons, um, uh, you know, on the ukulele. Hey, while I'm here, we had a discussion about low G and high G. Yeah. One of the things I like about low G ukuleles is 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 putting the melody on the low G string. Yeah, you got to do that. Um, so, yeah. okay. Melody on the low string. And, and again, it's just like variety, do something different. Um, so here's a, here's a song. I tell you what, let's 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 throw in an intro. That dirty yeah, trick that he threw in the beginning. What what I did was I played the introduction Different in one key, key and played the song in <laughs> another key. key. He'll he'll start playing it, and so you you're like you're you're all set to play in this key, right? And then all of a sudden it's like boom, a fourth away. It's like holy shit. <laughs> so Aaron, what do you think about ukuleles and and what we can learn from ukuleles? I think I learn a lot from ukulele every day. I I um. I never looked at it that way until we started hanging out, talking story. Um, my, I, I admit I was one of those guys that was like, um, it, it to me was an instrument. It was something that um, I knew people wanted to learn how to play, and I knew I could teach it. Yeah. And so I would, I would kind of approach it that way. But since hanging out with you and stuff like that, I think I've, um, and I think I, it's very important to to. To get to this point, and you know, if you're gonna teach ukulele in general, but I, I can honestly say now I love ukulele, and I don't think I did before, or I, maybe I did, but I didn't recognize that that I love playing mm. ukulele, that I love sharing ukulele. I didn't know that stuff before because I was, you know, young and 
kind of hot-headed and a little bit... Um, well, you're still young. <laughs> and still, still, still ugly, too. So. I think <laughs> it's partly that, and I think it's partly where the ukulele has gone itself. Because oh, absolutely. totally, totally. Absolutely. You'll notice in the last 20 years, but even 10 right. and even 5, like Completely the quality, quality and the amount levels. of yeah. amazing luthiers. Well, you look at, well, and I think guys like the Guild and guys like you are, are really helping to promote this, is that luthery, regardless of what people might think in terms of like uh, the, the layman's term kind of thing, luthery, you know, the guy builds instruments, whatever, but... A lot of people don't really recognize that luthiers now are at a different level than they've ever been. They talk about the golden years of Martin and stuff like that. But imagine, like, those ukes or those instruments sound, you know, ukes, guitars, everything. They sound so good now because they're like 60, 70, 80 years old. How would something like How's a Samoji or this Petros yeah, or exactly. a Ko'olau or, you know, like any of these instruments that are being built nowadays, how are those things going to sound in 80, you know, 80 yeah, years? Yeah, and it's, it's a completely different level. I, I, I completely agree. And this, uh, this Petros uh, that I recently got, it, it, I'm, I'm fascinated with that youth because I think uh, uh, Aaron mentioned that one of the things one of the things that struck me most about that uke is how mature um, it sounded um, when I first got it and so the question in my mind is um, you know as the uke opens up and I've never ever heard a brand new uke that didn't open up the the question I have in mind with this one is as it, it continues like? to open up yeah what it's going to sound like because I think if it gets if it gets more mellow it might it might sound muddy, and I, I don't think that Uke knows how to sound muddy. Mm-mm. So I I don't know how that Uke's going to mature. Um, probably increased projection, you know. But I, I mean, they're already very open and with a lot mm-hmm. of volume. But that's what you want, right? People don't want to know that, like in forty years, it's going to sound good, or even right, two you want years. It in your hands yeah. right now, playing exactly. good. Yeah, and. It's, it's one of those things, though, but like a fine line. It's just going to get better with time. And I believe that this generation of luthiers right now is the best we've ever had. You've got guys... And like, they're I'm, getting better. Right now, downstairs, you've got Noah Bonk, right? Yeah. You've, got, like, you've got Joji in Japan. You've got like Jay Lichty all the way on the East Coast. You've got like these Eric, guys. That Eric are, Divine over in Maui. Yeah. You've got... <laughs> Steve Grimes over in Maui. You've Steve got Chuck Grimes, Moore Chuck on the Bay Moore. I mean, there's different neck sizes and all that kind of stuff. I know you like wider necks and longer scales and stuff. But you, um, can, you can pretty much jump in on anything. I like, uh, but for a practical reason, uh, uh, I like, I like um, um, extended scales because it, uh, it uh, results in more room horizontally. Horizontally, especially when I get down around the eighth or ninth fret, uh, and the reason why I like wider fretboards is it provides more vertical spacing, so my fingers don't get squinched horizontally and they don't get squinched vertically, uh, because you can you can produce um, a finger buzz just as easily vertically as as you can horizontally. But for somebody like me that's played on like the more regular scale and nut width, 
for that long, it feels a little bit, I don't know, yeah. like it doesn't work for everybody. It's that, that's in, correct individual thing, right? That's correct. And I, you know, with, with that in mind, I, I have a special message for, uh, for uh, ukulele players and ukulele teachers uh, that I've been, I've been trying to promote at least eight to 10 years. And that is, don't play one ukulele for a long period of time. Because if you play, if, if you buy an ukulele um, and think, oh, this ukulele is so cool, I'm going to play it forever. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do that, the guy who made it is getting better. Yep. Um, and so that's why, like, for a long time, at least eight or ten years, I've, um, I've turned ukes a lot. And the philosophy went from change, from having to hoard uh, everything that I thought was of value. Uh, I, ch I changed philosophy. And that is, you know, sometimes when something really cool and exciting happens to you, you, you like to share, yeah. uh, you know, somebody else. So, uh, so I decided, well, yeah, I'm not going to hoard use anymore. I'm just going to share them. So I buy them, play them, sell them, buy them play them, sell them. And after I buy them, I play them, and I hang on to the uke long enough so that, so that I get to learn about the uke and, and promote the builder. Because uh, I only do this with, uh, with uh, quality builders. And in the course of doing that, I, I collaborate uh, you know, with the builders. I like to talk story with them, just as we talk story now about, about the next build and what we're going to do. And I've learned I've learned so much uh, doing that. And um, what's your favorite part of working with different luthiers? That's a that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> and and the answer is, <clears throat> I enjoy being able to enjoy their creativity. You uh, you kind of give them the space. Yeah, like a few parameters, and yeah. then. Well, they give me space too. I mean, you know, we give each other space, and and generally, when I when I uh, when I when I buy a uke from a builder, like Petros, for example, the Petros I got uh, several days ago is the first I've ever had. Um, and so, one of the things I told him is, "Hey, uh, Bruce," I said, uh, "You know what? I want to come to Wisconsin and play your uke for you in concert." Uh, and 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 I love doing that because uh, because the guys are so cool. Uh, but but the other thing, more directly about uh, about your question, uh, is um, when I collaborate with these guys, I I know who's not afraid of doing experiments. Uh, and I also know that even even if it's an experiment with those guys, that it's going to turn out right. Uh, Eric Devine, for example, recently uh, started uh, started building 19-inch tenors. Um, Aren't you doing something with that? You're doing some kind of a, um, a retreat. Yeah, February. I'll I'll get yeah. to that. This this is cool, Andrew. You'll like that. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, over in Maui. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, for for Eric, a 19-inch a 19-inch tenor is like uh, brand new. But yeah. one of the things he mentioned, you know, after, because I play the first one he made, 
You must um, have had to really prod him to make that yeah. longer scale. And, um, yeah, it, it took it took years. <laughs> but one of the things he said, he said, he said, well, I don't know, maybe my tenors are obsolete. He loves it. Oh, and really? It, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and it's not as if it's not as if. His you seventeen-inch know, oh, scales oh, are fantastic. That's silly. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, but the nineteen-inch, the nineteen-inch nineteen tuned down a full step, unbelievable yeah. sound. What about tuned regular? Tuned regular, it'll sound tight uh, because of the longer scale. I don't know. His, mm. I mean, his, his have work, that though, really yeah. relaxed, super warm. Like they could almost yeah. be tighter because yeah. they're well, kind of loose at seventeen. Actually, when uh, when he when he first made. Uh, the first 19 inch um, and and we tuned it B flat he loved it but then then you know I was telling him well you know uh, I don't mind the B flat tuning because a lot of the times I play solo mm -hmm. in a concert so you know I don't have to be changing keys all the time and so he said he said man he said I wonder if we can do the same thing and get it to sound the same uh, but tuned G C E A, tuned the C. Um, and so and so I said, well, how the hell are you going to do that? And he says, well, I'll just shorten the scale. And I said, by how much? And he said, about like that. Oh, so it's like eighteen. Yeah. So he shortened the scale a little bit. Something like that. Uh, tuned that thing up to G C A. Sounded great. Oh, there you go. And then. Uh, and then I tuned it to um, and then down to B flat. Kind of stuff, it yeah. sounded great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I actually so like a lot of um, ukes about a half step down. Yeah, yeah I mean it's a uh, um, it's uh, it's an incredible ukulele. Uh, okay, our tell, February. Tell us about the retreat. Yeah, yeah. Um, had to be about three or four years ago. Who doesn't want to retreat? <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> really? to uh, I'm talking to Eric, and Eric goes. You know what? <laughs> he says, I wonder what it'd be like to make a bunch of ukes, uh, invite people to come to a retreat, and when they go home, everybody goes home with a uke. And you know, at the time, at the time, I go, yeah, right. So we just forget about it, yeah. and over a period of time, keep talking about it, keep talking about it, and so uh, we finally decided. Oh, I don't know, about a year or so ago, whenever it was. Okay, we're doing this. Um, and so we are. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an event uh, that's held on Maui uh -huh. uh, in February of 2020. Only six people come because Eric finally uh, finally decided that uh, you know he could only make a maximum of six um, in a batch uh, uh, for these. So uh, we wanted it to be first class. Uh, so Eric, uh, Eric has a, a, a gourmet chef uh, who's from Australia, I think. So we hired him holy to come. Holy. He's going to come. Good wine will flow uh, because it's like first class. Uh, and everybody who comes, our plan is when, uh, you know, when the six people come, they, they okay, we're going to come. Okay, you're in room three. So they go in room three. And here's this, here's this display a uke uh, a custom stand that eric will make uh and, and just stuff and that's so and that's wait, their uke. Let, me, let me get this straight everybody that attends gets a divine yes, yes. 
that is the point. That is what? insane. <laughs> and it's not just yeah. any divine. And not right just now, any divine. And right now, uh, right now on uh, Facebook, he's he started the build, so he's he's posting. Oh. He's he's posting the build. How is this going to work? You're going to have people fighting over use if they. I mean, are they all going to be the same? No, they're all different. No, they're Six not. Different they're, they're all different. And who decides who gets what? We do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's just it's just it's just going to be random on our part. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because all of the Ukes are in like the same uh, same uh, price then, range. What, people yes, can trade range. if they want to trade yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll let them trade if they want, but you know that's uh, that's up to them. So they come to this uh, uh, three night and four day retreat on Maui. Uh, they get there and they get their ukes and um, koa. Um, all some different of them are koa, some of them are oh, rosewood, wow. some different of them are maple. I, thought, I was talking to him the other day and he said, "Hey, Kimo, I was I was able to get some opal," oh. and he said, "I got enough, <laughs> I got enough, so that uh, you know there's going to be opal on all six ukes." So he wow. had this picture on Facebook on YouTube whatever yeah. <laughs> of, of where he put the opals so is this mm-hmm. sold out or yeah they, they, no, they, there's six slots and uh, six slots total and there are two left oh there's two left oh, I thought it was sold out already but yeah how yeah. much is that 16.5 that's and that that's was a whole experience though yeah right? it and really considering, is considering that you're getting a divine a custom divine which is yeah. you know like but you're the majority of the anyway, too. You know? That's yeah. Well, the well, we want it. We want it to be first class. Yeah, like uh, the, having you know flying in the chef and all that jazz. That's like that's right. Yeah, and then you got you know a premium and, instructor. And one of the fun so. things we're gonna do uh, is, um, you know, Eric. Uh, Eric. Eric likes wine. Where, good where wine. Can, there's two people watching right now that are itching to <laughs> get in on this. Yeah, where can um, they go to sign up? What do they have to do if there's if you got two slots left, right? Like, contact Eric or I on uh, on Facebook, email, whatever. Yeah. We'll we'll contact them. But okay. there are only two slots left. You know, Alan. One, I'm one of the things I really look forward to doing is uh, there's going to be a, a wine pairings event. Uh, you know, where uh, where the chef and the uh, and the wine person get together. Sure. And they and they're gonna create six different pairings of wine and food. Oh. And what I'm gonna do is take those six youths oh, pa- and pair. listen to the adjectives that the cook <laughs> and the wine guy use, like like a tasty or or mature, whatever. And then I say, that's the youth. Uh, and so while the people are are enjoying the wine, the wine and the food. I'm playing the uke that we would pair with that. Talk about gourmet. There That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Zanuck is going to go up with me because uh, uh, Eric, Eric's job is to tell the people about, uh, um, you know, the ukes. Um, and Zanuck and I are, are going are gonna to play the ukes, uh, help the people learn how to play. And so... Um, and so, one of the things uh, uh, that I would uh, that I would love to share with you, Andrew, after the after the fact is, you know, what we learn uh, about that. Because part of the reason why Eric and I are doing it is just it's just it's just to do something different. Well, it's pretty darn cool. 
It is, and and the big thing, the big thing is to uh, is to add add a little bit of snob appeal um, to ukulele. I mean, I gotta be honest. If if I had, if I was a wealthy man, I'd be all over I'd it. I probably do too. Yeah, it's like um, being able to just go and do something like that. Sixteen like, five, sixteen five. That's is pretty long. reasonable. Yeah. You know, it really is because uh, because uh, uh, retail wise. Retail wise, uh, these ukes are probably on the order of about twelve or thirteen, right? Uh, and so, so you're talking uh, so, about a few know, thousand dollars. After the fact, for, the person yeah. still has the uke. Yeah. And having you and Zanuck and every... Alan, yeah. what's going on, man? This is the camera just off. dying? Yeah, no, it keeps shutting off. Are you using a uh, Chinese battery? battery? <laughs> just throw that thing away already. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Okay. Is it the battery that shuts it off? It's a generic battery. I didn't mean to say Chinese. They're probably all made in China. Even the (laughs) Canon ones that we pay $60 for. Well, Chinese and generic are about the same. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's getting, you know, like some of the Anui Nui's now? Well, even even their electronics, like like Huawei. Have you tried the Moonbirds and those different ones? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty, Yeah. you know. And I mean, as we, we all know that, like, Every race of people can do just as amazing things as the next. Yeah. It's well, just here in Hawaii, like we had to jump on everybody because this has been like our thing from the get go, you know. Well, yeah. you remember Back to the Future, right? Everybody was talking about like how, how Doc Brown was like, "That's why this thing sucks. It's made in Japan." And <laughs> it's, in the nineteen 19- Japan guitars right. were, you know, remember they were like doing Mountain and Company with the Crazy. with the Martin yeah. logo and yeah. stuff over there. I now, that was you. when Japan was yep. affordable. Yeah. Now <laughs> Japan is like super expensive. Yeah. Andrew, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you and uh, and uh, your uh, your ukulele folk about something else that the guild is doing. Yes. That is really, for me anyway, it's really exciting. But before I leave Maui, um, I want uh, I want people to know that we've got uh, two more slots. Uh, remaining uh, for Maui. So if anybody's interested in that, just just contact Eric or I. That's going to be quite the experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, again, when when we're done, um, Eric and I, Eric and I share a lot of ideas on the marketing thing. And one of the things, one of the reasons why we're doing this, is just to do something different marketing wise. So I'll tell you about uh, how that goes because I think. I think there there's some really wonderful lessons that can be learned uh, from that that would uh, that would apply to what you do, Andrew. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think more and more people are um, looking for experiences, even beyond products. You know. Yeah. Well, on that note, he he had mentioned some snob appeal. Aren't you doing something involving? Uh, oh like yeah, Lamborghinis and some yeah <laughs> crazy shit like um, that. Lamborghinis. Yeah. Have you heard of the Velocity? Uh, um, Velocity is over a building Honolulu. on the corner yeah. of Kapiolani and Ward. Right. A three-story building. With all the... Uh, with all uh, the yeah. European cars. Yes. <laughs> Alfa Romeo. Yeah. You got Jaguar. You got BMW, we're gonna, Mercedes-Benz, we're gonna, Rolls-Royce. We're going to do an event there. And we as uh, the Ukulele Guild of Hawaii. We're going to do an event there in May. Uh, and it's going to be on May the second and the third. We got to get Saturday those divines with the gold inlay on there. <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> we'll we'll probably do some kanikapila, but the whole idea is to display yukes. Count me there. in. 
I'm there. Uh, and and the ukes are going to be displayed, um, not necessarily all together. Uh, we're going to display the ukes like around some some ukes. Okay, maybe we'll put like two ukes next to a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Um, and two ukes, they sell like Lamborghini, Ferrari. I'm going to have to Bentley. send Alan over for that photo shoot. He was totally. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, even there's your there's your photographer right there. Um. So anyway, um, at our uh, actually, you should look at the, his photos. They're okay. they're incredible. There you go. See, that's you should have the guild. Hey, Alan, show well, him real quick, like a shot of some of the cars. Oh, I'd oh, love to see now. that. Yeah, they're photos of cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he takes the sexiest shots of of cars. It's amazing. And you know what? He he just did the trip with Clay and Corey, and you should see some of the shots he took on their tour too. He's an amazing photographer. For the guys who don't know, Alan over here is the the newest member of the team on this side, and um, Andrew constantly, you know, brings up more and more better people. So, you know, so I mean, come on, come. Uh, Alan's been friends with Corey for many years, and yeah. um, so he's been he's been jumping in here and there helping us. But I I never thought I could afford this guy, and you got him full time. And now. well, yeah, I mean, then he was like, you know what, I I don't need to make much i just like this job i like these people and yes. <laughs> crazy guy go, took a man. pay cut to come work with <laughs> crazy us. crazy guy with, with mad talent just decides like ah, i just i don't need to make much money i just want to come kick with you guys and yeah. that's, that's that's like cool. the big appeal of working working for andrew it's you showed like some for, of the shots from the tour i'm looking oh, at some yeah. cars now oh, like the beginning was the uh, yeah the shots so anyway you cook at your um phone. Next weekend, during our exhibition, Saturday night, and if you want to come, you can. Our dinner, Saturday night, is going to be down at that Velocity building. And the dinner is going to be in the Bentley showroom. Oh, yeah, you got to come to that, bro. And so what they're going to do is clear out the Bentleys, except for two. Uh, so there are going to be two Bentleys in the showroom of our Saturday night dinner, so people can take pictures. For me, it's a matter, again, of uh, you know adding some snob appeal to ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you want to use that word because huh? well, it's, well, it, it's the antithesis of what you know ukulele people want to be. Exactly, um, exactly, and and that's so the reason trying because, to embrace because it, you know yeah. some there 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 are some people out there uh, who it's like they they almost feel like ukulele is below them. I love playing for people like that. <laughs> now now watch this segment. I don't know those people. as far as um, as far as. Like the snob appeal being backwards from what like most you know what what we would consider most ukulele players wanting and stuff like that, Kimo has staked his entire ukulele career on going the opposite direction of what everybody's doing, um, and this is not this is not a knock against anybody because like you guys you guys know man like, I, Corey is like probably my favorite player in the world and I, I I love Kale I love Jake I love all those guys but when those players started playing faster. Kimo decided that he was going to play slower. And he told me, he said, it's because as I get older, I'm not going to get any faster. He <laughs> said, so I just wanted to be more tasteful. And so he did that, and he came up and... When know, I... Uh, after I retired, uh, I wanted to get back into music because my degree, my degree is in music. It's in choral conducting because I dearly love choirs and church music. Where did you get your degree? Um, Southern California at Occidental oh, wow. College. I went there to study choral conducting. Let me let me ask you before you continue your story. How did who 
like what was your mentor early at first like was there a certain spark at the beginning or or somebody that taught you when you were a kid or just it was my uncle got me started uh, when when I was five but after that it was all like just everybody yeah Yeah. Um, but then you end up in Southern California going to university taking yeah, I went. I went to the same college that my uh, high school music teacher went to, because uh, he and I were very close. Uh, and um, um, he also was like a choral conductor. Um, so anyway, um, uh, because of the draft, I had to. I had to um, uh, get oh, into the the Air Force. That's what got you into it. And the longer the longer I was in the Air Force, the more I liked it. So that turned into a thirty-year career. When I retired, I wanted to get back into music. I could imagine liking flying. It sounds pretty exhilarating. It was, uh, it was. But um, you know, I I interrupted what I wanted to be like a career yeah. teaching music. They interrupted uh, for that. So <laughs> there, there was no doubt when I retired. For me, when I retired from the Air Force, that I was going to get back into music. After 30 years of Uncle Sam's bureaucracy, I decided that I, I didn't want to get back into choirs because I'd have to go recruit people, rehearse them all the time, and go through all the administrative stuff. So I decided that I was going to play ukulele. <laughs> one of the things that helped me decide that, two things. Number one, at the time, the, uh, the ukulele renaissance had started. It was going. And number two, I thought, small instrument I don't have to answer to anybody I can be my own boss uh, and I'm, I'm not going to play with anybody at the time uh, because uh, it was it was just too easy for me to play so uh, the first thing <laughs> the first thing I decided I was going to do is see if I can get famous as an ukulele player Jake was on his way up at the time so studied Jake oh this guy plays real fast at, at the time Jake was playing real fast jumping around the stage you know sure, real yeah, active would you rock fast so, so I decided oh I'm gonna go the opposite and I'm gonna play slow <laughs> stay in one place uh, and just play slow and quiet and and it worked after a while uh, after a while uh, you know developed a, a reputation as a player and once once I did that I started teaching uh, because because I wanted I wanted to get back into teaching, and that was, that's how this whole ukulele stuff yeah. started. It's well, only other musicians that are impressed with speed. Yeah, I mean, like most people just want to be moved by music, you know. Exactly. And One of the things that he does, speed can get in the way of that. That's great. Well, I watched him um, play. I've I've actually seen him play quite a bit. And uh, in in a concert setting, and one of the most unique things that I've seen is how quiet the audience becomes. Mm. They will really get real quiet like that, and he'll he'll start playing real quiet, and then he'll whisper, and he'll go, "If you know the song, sing along." Nice. And everybody in that place starts singing the song with him, and it's like they feel like they're part of the show. It's like one of the most like engaging. <clears throat> ways to play and and he does it in these small private house concerts and it's like and everybody afterwards he he comes out of there and he says you know he tells me he's like i don't want an audience i want a whole bunch of friends and you know 
That's it's beautiful. Like, it's it, it's a beautiful experience for everybody, and that, that, I think that's oh. when I really started looking at, like, why I need to, you know, like change my mindset on a lot of things, and that's why I started playing the way I play now. And, despite know, just, despite the ukulele's size, and 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 the and the popularity of ukulele, and the way that popularity comes about. A lot of times in my mind prevents people from learning uh, some wonderful, wonderful things about ukulele uh, that that very good luthiers are able to portray in the instruments uh, that they make. One of them, for example, is is playing with um, dynamic range. Uh, you know, just I'll show you. chord but people will hear it <clears throat> and so and so you know it's a it's a matter it's a matter of uh, taking advantage of the talent that builders have in order to learn to play the ukulele and bring something out uh, you know in the ukulele but that even normally like don't. somebody can take all like the a piece that they know how to play already oh. and just take what you just saw chemo do and try to just rethink the dynamics of your playing Absolutely. and how you can be more delicate at certain parts, right? And Absolutely. Dynamic, like jump up at certain other can parts. You, can you tell them about the five things that the right hand does, Uncle Kimo? Oh. So what it controls. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you got to, that's the oh. paywall for that yeah, kind is, of info. Man. <laughs> <It is. laughs> I tell people uh, in the workshops that I do, uh, that there are three things that need to come together balanced well in order to produce good music. And those three things are left-hand technique, right-hand technique, and the quality of the instrument they play. With regard to right-hand technique, I tell people that the, the right hand has five things that it does simultaneously. Those are melody, harmony, rhythm, tempo, and dynamics. Most people stop with melody, harmony, and rhythm because they get that from the music. And so in the piece that I just played, all, all I did was to add um, dynamics, loud and soft, and tempo change speed a little bit. And by doing that, what it does is 
<clears throat> it adds emotion to the music. If it's true that most people enjoy playing ukulele in order to have fun, having fun, at least in my estimation, is not objective. It is emotional. So the degree to which we play and practice in a way that, that makes it emotional and not just objective is the degree, I think, to which we keep playing. Yep. Because we like the reward. And oh, by the way, that reward is resolution. Can you talk about the two-year thing? As far as like you know, what? Uh, remember you were telling me that the uh, the problem with not having good teachers is that after two years. Oh. Uh, yeah. Not having good teachers is kind of like perhaps a bad choice of uh, verbiage, just like snob appeal, uh, but. The, yeah, that's the, what you're trying to bring back, right? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the opposite. You 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 the, think you think like uh, that's playing a factor in certain people stopping. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I just like absolutely because the 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 question most often asked of me as a teacher around the world is how can I how can I progress beyond uh, how can I how can I make more progress and every single time a person asked me that I said your question is how you get beyond C F and G7 isn't it and 100% of the time the answer is yes that's right and and the reason why they don't is they're not being taught to do that and the reason why they're not being taught to do that is most teachers don't know how to get a person beyond C, F, and G7. Because if you take a look at generally how people learn to play the ukulele, uh, you know, we teach them C right off the bat because it's real easy. So we teach them C, F, and G7, and then we play You Are My Sunshine, which is great. And then we keep the chords the same, change the song. Keep the chords the same, change the song. Uh, and then we get to the point where, um, you know, we use the same chord, but maybe in a different key, like F or G. Uh, but just keep changing the songs, as opposed to expanding. Um, expanding in a way that gets us beyond C, F, and, and G7. And so that, in my estimation, changes, the, biggest, yeah. the biggest loss in ukulele comes about because people don't know how to get beyond C, F, and G7. And what advice would you give to those feeling stuck if there is something you could, you know, say in that regard? Oh, oh, that's a, um, that's a, that's a great question. And that is, um, ask a friend. Um, I r recommend people like contact me uh, because, because I love to talk to them uh, about that. And it's a matter it's a matter. It's a matter of figuring out how how to keep the learning process going, as opposed to getting to a point where the learning process just stops. It's kind of like it's kind of like when, in order to, if if we just keep with C F and G seven, the learning process goes like this. You know, it's stayed and very very defined, 
as opposed to the learning process, at least in my estimation, should go this way, where it opens up. Right. And it opens up to, uh, to all kinds of things where people can, for example, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy how to put a dynamics and tempo into their music. Uh-huh. All you got to do is change the right hand a little bit. But it takes somebody who knows how to do that and knows how to teach people to do that. Would, would you um, also start teaching pe- people like alternate versions of those same chords? Or oh, that's is what he does in a, his... Is that just a, like about yeah, the same? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, you know, music is never ending and it's almost like the more you learn, the more you realize it just keeps going and there's, you know, so much more to it. Yeah. But you find people kind of plateau sometimes after getting those basics down and enjoying this song and that song and they're strumming and singing along and stuff, but they never, it never goes anywhere to keep them inspired beyond that That's first right. initial rush. That's right. Um, and some, some, sometimes the reason why people don't go beyond is that, is that they don't want to. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Which is their right uh, yeah. to do that. Sometimes, but. Uh, sometimes what, uh, what, uh, uh, we teachers do, uh, is make wrong assumptions about what we think you know people ought to be learning. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but then you know, if you are genuinely looking, there's like places like HawaiiMusicSchool.com that Aaron has, where you absolutely. can go join at super low cost and get a ton of lessons. And there's people online. I guess what like, I I know I can hit you up on Facebook, but uh, is that something that's you pretty open to everybody bothering you or what chemo um <laughs> people i don't i don't mind I, I don't mind um i don't mind people bothering me on facebook i mean i love i love to share ukulele yeah so i never ever mind when somebody asks me a question about uh, about ukulele. that's wonderful thank you for opening yourself up to the community oh, like sure. that you know because I think you're like our collective uncle, and we look yeah. up to you in that way. So, hey, I, I got another builder I want you to check out. Okay, cool. How are you guys doing? You want some more pokey? Yes, sir. Me?